Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 160. Hey, my Richers, how are you? I'm so happy to be here today with you. And it almost seems like we are close to the end of the coronavirus crisis. I believe we will find out after the crisis is over that it has changed us quite a bit. Business-wise and personally, for the bad, but mainly, I hope, for the good. My guest today said in her best advice to an entrepreneur something that I truly believe in, but couldn't say it better. Her best advice to an entrepreneur was, listen to your customers and talk to them. Though, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do everything they say. I believe the way to win entrepreneurial and business success is by getting to know your customers, mainly because the money you are looking for is in their pockets. Before we'll meet our guest today, I warmly recommend you to go to the richomis.com website and look for the show notes of this episode, as well as information and practical guides that will help you to reach your entrepreneurial business success. Let's meet my guest today, Amy Vernon. Amy Vernon belongs to a small but elite group of people who have equal experience in both dead tree journalism and online journalism. Amy understands what people look for online and how to reach them. Her experience translates to many industries and she worked for media companies, social analytics platforms, apps, and companies in the related areas. Amy has been interviewed by The Wall Street Journal, New York Times, VentureBeat, Forbes, PR, Newswire, and more. An inaugural inductee of the New Jersey Social Media Hall of Fame, Amy has spoken at many conferences and events, including South by Southwest Interactive, CrowdfundX, Marketing Prof B2B, Columbia University's Social Media Weekend, and many more. Let's enjoy this show with Amy Vernon. Amy Vernon, what a pleasure to have you here with me. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, it's so great. And, uh, you know, it's strange times for everything. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just discussed it a little bit. So I just shared with my audience or with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today and where are you heading? Um, sure. Well, I have been working on a couple of projects with a, a group of us where we used to work together, have a consultancy where we sort of dive in on various projects, depending on which of our skills are needed. And, and we've been working on a couple of projects on that, including an app that 
will, um, if it uh, gets implemented, will actually revolutionize how country clubs interact and engage their their users, which was not something I ever expected to work on, wow. um, as I've never even belonged to a country club. <laughs> but it's actually really, really interesting question because, you know, things have changed so much and many of the country clubs have not. And so actually, it's a really interesting question uh, to tackle. So just, you know, not something that was really in my in my thoughts at all. So it was a very, you know, just a nice change, uh, something different to think about. The reason you are saying they might want implemented is because of the coronavirus and the crisis or because it's uh, something new which you don't know whether we'll be able to uh, to really work with it's it's a little of both I mean there was a lot of interest um, before all this happened obviously right now uh, it actually could go one of two ways it either could get implemented faster because it creates a way to actually build community and to engage those consumers or it could have trouble just because they're not trying anything new right now you know it's it's one of those it was it was something for a client so it's, sure. it's sort of out of our hands that we've just been building for them and, and working on them with but but yeah it's it, it really is right now you know as as a lot of things are uh, very uncertain hmm. um, yeah definitely. It, it could easily be you know go either way yeah um yeah and in terms of what's next i'm i'm actually always looking for uh, what's next? I've I've been talking with a few different companies about joining them, primarily in um, community or uh, audience development, um, and that's that's sort of like the the sweet spot of where um, my skills intersect. It it sounds interesting. I mean, when you're talking about audience development, uh, you know, I've been in marketing. I am in marketing for thirty three years, and I don't think I ever heard this kind of. Uh, of uh, expression. Usually we're very focused on uh, developing our business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, with audience development, it, it came out of uh, the sort of the journalism uh, realm, yeah. uh, because obviously you have a product and that's your journalism, but what do you have for that? You don't have customers really sure. you have you have an audience for that um, but I think that it's it's a phrase that is applicable to a lot of different things because it starts getting you thinking differently about um, you know I think social media started getting a lot of companies thinking differently about their customers and more as 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 fans and followers and community definitely um, but you know in some cases the audience really because it's almost that you're 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 entertaining them in some way and i think right now that's that's uh you know every we've we've said for years everybody's a publisher now and what do you have when you're a publisher you have you have readers you have an audience and so how do you want to develop uh how do you want to develop that it's it, it's it's very similar to community management it's just traditionally been used more in in a uh a media hmm. focus you know um i don't know if you already read um David Newman Scott's book about uh, phonocracy, about fans, or Mark Schaefer about uh, um, belonging, about uh, the Marxian rebellion. This is all what they talk about. I mean, nothing else is working okay. after the, uh, you know, the uh, Marxian automation and taking all the soul out of most of the relationships. <laughs> um, and and what about it? 
are you most passionate and how did you start your your journey because I looked about it about things that you've done and it looks so interesting yeah it's it's i I have a very uh diverse background <laughs> uh, I uh started off really just as a traditional newspaper journalist um and you know did that for a long time and uh during the Ah, two thousand and eight recession, there were a lot of layoffs in the industry. Uh, actually, i've I've been in journalism long enough where that wasn't even the first round of layoffs i oh. I went through. I just hadn't been been a part of the layoffs before. Oh. Um, i I made a decision at the time, actually, to not try to get back into journalism because social media was just really started getting its legs. I was a power user on Dig and Stumble upon and some of these other sites hmm. and getting into Twitter and Facebook. And um, within just a few months uh, after the layoff, I was already at like 50 or 60 percent of my old salary as a manager. And and I was just like, this is new. This is interesting. <laughs> yeah. What a different world, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, and the thing is, at that time, to try to get back into journalism, there were so many people who were trying to not that I, I you know don't want the competition or, or something like that, but I just didn't see the changes being made that I felt were going to make a difference in journalism. And I, I figured I would learn about these things and maybe try to go back in later if, if, uh, if I still wanted to. And I have. I've dived back into journalism several times um, over, over the years. It's kind of hard to get that bug out of your system <laughs> once it's. Uh, but what I realized is the connecting line through all of this, including uh, my work as a journalist, is that focus on community and audience. Even as a young reporter at the Miami Herald, hmm. I, uh, my editors touted me to the community I covered as the only reporter who actually lived in the community. Hmm. And I saw people's reaction to that. And they trusted me more sure. than other reporters just because I lived there. And, and I just saw the powerful, uh, the power that community really has. Uh, and just because I was in journalism, it just sort of was a very natural transition for me. You talked about how difficult it is to take this, this bag out of you of journalism. But you said before that... Uh, Everyone is a publisher today. Mm -hmm. What do you see the difference? I mean, with a blog, you can, you can be a publisher, you can be a kind of journalist. What do you see the difference? Well, some of the, some of the best content marketers are nearly indistinguishable from journalists, um, particularly if you think about there have always been specialty publications, you know, like uh, magazines and news. Uh, other news organizations specifically for the real estate industry, where it's journalism, it's news, it's just only about real estate um, hmm. or about the commercial packaging industry. You know, I mean, sure. really every industry has its own news sources. So in that regard, there can be virtually no difference. Uh, I think the different, the, the real difference is that the kind of journalism I did was local journalism, was community journalism. And the goal And purpose of it for the reporters at least for the newsroom was to inform the community now we all know that you know all of these news organizations are companies and most of them are publicly traded mm -hmm. and so they need to make a profit and so that's sort of where a lot of the issues have come up yeah. <laughs> uh, over the decades but it's still 
a sort of recognition that the purpose of the newsroom is to cover the community because that's how you get the readers, which is how you get the advertisers. Like if you don't cover your community, you lose readers. And if you lose readers, you lose advertisers. Hmm. Um, but whereas for a business that has a, you know, a really excellent blog at the end of the day, it is about the company, about either uh, branding uh, or marketing or sales. You know, it's, it's, you know, there, it has a slightly different purpose. Like the, the job, like what a newspaper did, what a newsroom did was not branding. It was, you know, covering sure. the community. It could be used in other ways by other parts of the newspaper uh, or, you know, TV station in their branding. Hmm. But that wasn't the purpose of what the journalists were actually doing. And I mean, like I said, there are some content marketers who are really excellent, who've done just amazing jobs of finding ways to um, actually, you know, write really amazing stories uh, that would not be out of place in a journalistic publication, and they've done it for brands. So, you know, that's not to say that there's no value to that at all. I think there's, there's, you know, tremendous value. But there, you know, there, there is that slight difference when you're talking about an entity whose purpose is uh, journalism sure. as opposed to something else. And what are you most passionate about in the future? What are you aiming? What are you looking to uh, that really makes you excited about? I think we're at a very interesting time for a whole, and, and I, I felt that even before you know, the, our recent pandemic. I agree with you. Now, now we're in a um, crazy time, but yes, I do agree with you. But, you know, I'm a, um, I'm sort of a history nerd. So I've, I, I was, <laughs> it was funny, I was just on another podcast recently, where I was also talking about just sort of the similarities of now to 100 years ago. I mean, other than the World War issue, which you could kind of argue that it's not that different from some of the things we've been dealing with anyway. But you know, a lot of the changes, uh, both from a business aspect and uh, workers and media, you know, radio was just sort of coming into its own then. Um, and, and then, yes, there was also a pandemic and there was also the Great Depression. So there's a lot of, a lot of similarities. It's just a matter of the order that they've gone in. I really think that we're going to come out of this very changed. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, definitely in certain negative ways. I'm not at all suggesting that a, a pandemic is a, a good idea. I think this is, you know, an awful situation. But I do think that we're going to hopefully come out of this with more empathy. Yeah, um, I agree. And like a wake-up call in, in a way. Yeah, um, and and I, I hate even really talking about that because it almost makes it seem like, oh, well, you know, this is, we needed this wake-up call. And it's like, we needed a wake-up call. We didn't need this wake-up call. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but, you know, now it is, in a way, I think the issue, you know, I work with a lot of people all over the world. And one of the people I work with uh, every week, she's from Boston, and she said, it, it's nice, this issue of being so nice to each other. People are being so nice to each other and so hearing uh, each other and want to help each other and supportive. She said it's so great. It feels so great. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the real test is what do we carry out of this? And if there isn't a big change, then 
I don't know when that opportunity even comes along. If, if this can't bring about the change, um, hmm. I, don't, I don't know what possibly could, <laughs> truthfully. Hmm. It's a good question. You are an entrepreneur in a way and in your way, and we talked about that. And, uh, but I want to ask you, what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur that listens to us in regarding their customer approach or customer focus or anything that has to do with marketing sales and actually being there for your customer? Sure. Um, I have sort of two things that I, I think are really important that are almost at odds with each other, but they, they aren't really once you start to think about it. And one is to listen to your customers and their feedback mm. and what it is that they want. But at the same time, don't become tripped up and think that you need to do all of those things. Hmm. What do you mean? Um, well, you could be developing a product and realize that one aspect of it is far more, far stickier, far more you know, attractive yeah. to your users uh, than you realized. And in, in talking to them and trying to figure out you know, what direction you want to go in. I think Instagram is actually a terrific example of a brand where they, they listen to their customers in terms of like paying attention to what they were doing with it. And they originally started as not quite a next door type app, but it was, it, it was kind of, you could do all these different things and all that anybody used it for really was, was sharing images. Hmm. So they threw the rest out and, you know, I mean, we all know how that turned out. Yeah. It turned out great for them. Um, I think sometimes uh, the opposite can be true, where you have sort of a, a good focus and people recognize other additional things that maybe you can do. And you start to try to do too many of them at once, implement mm -hmm. too many different aspects at once. And then you just sort of have this, this hodgepodge creature <laughs> uh, that none of the different aspects of it really work well. Instead of saying, okay, those are really interesting things. How can we improve what we're doing right now? We want to think about those things for the future. Because um, I've seen both happen. And I've seen cases sure. where, you know, companies I've been at where they, they all of a sudden were like, okay, well, we're going to focus on this aspect right now after we had just spent, you know, six months really focusing on a different <laughs> part that people were, were using and uh, were really enjoyed but it kept sort of uh, it kept sort of crashing because uh, you know it needed it needed some more focused work on it to really work. But we had an engaged community. Um, the problem was there were other things that people were interested in too, and so they got too caught up in chasing the other things that users were interested in rather than perfecting what they already were interested in and using. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very fine balance to. Listen to your, you know, your customers, your followers, your clients, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call them, community, um, and do, you know, getting too distracted by it. I really love your bringing it up because of two reasons. First of all, because of the need to focus and um, to find out the main thing that you should focus on. But the other thing is something that I talk a lot about. I think that uh, every entrepreneur, and I worked with hundreds of them, say that they talked with their customers. However, you talked about it a bit when you talked about Instagram. We are not able to answer the question, are you going to use it? 
what do you want? You know, I always say with the engineers that uh, a lot of times the, the customer that works with the system said, I just need some button here. I just need it here. And then when you do that, nobody uses it because they don't need the button here or there. They have some need which you have to understand what they are telling you by what they are doing, not but what they are telling you they need or not. I, I always say that. So many entrepreneurs are saying, I talked with so many customers and they're all going to use what I'm bringing on. And people can't answer <laughs> this question. You can't, nobody can say, I always say about uh, Edison, that if we made some consumers research and asked them whether they're about to use the bulb, they would have tell us yes or no. It doesn't really matter because it wasn't part of their experience. So they can't know. So it's something that we really have to find out to look for what they're doing and yeah. what they need, but not directly listen to everything they say that they want uh, here or there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I, I think, too, you know, to that point, the biggest question in my arsenal has always been why. Hmm. And it's because it's, you're never getting the wrong answer. You're just asking the wrong questions. Hmm, that's right. And if people were saying, well, you know, I pressed this button and expected it to do A, but it did B. And Hmm. there's two why questions there. Why did you think that button would give you A? And why did you want A? Hmm. Because maybe what they actually wanted is still being achieved by B, but they don't realize it. And you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you have to understand both why they thought that would be the result and why they wanted that result in the first place. What purpose did that result serve them I love that. in the long term? Yeah, I love this question. I think the why is it's exactly that. You've got your successes and we'll talk about them in a minute. But I want to ask you to share with us your biggest or most critical failure with customers. The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey or your career journey the most or almost the most. And I want a concrete story. Don't have, of course, to mention names, or, but something that really uh, happened to you and you felt it, it's kind of a failure. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's a really interesting sort of thought process because I tend to, um, sounds like a cop out, but I tend to put failures behind me because you want to learn from them and then move on. I think probably, honestly, I've made some decisions in clients that I've, I've taken on or even roles that I've taken at other companies because of initial excitement about, I got infected by their excitement <laughs> and didn't really do my due diligence in figuring out the people in charge of actually getting things done. Um, hmm. There was a, a company that I was co-founder, and I, I think really the biggest failure there, and I've definitely definitely learned from it, is that we had different ideas of how to build the company, like hmm. very different ideas. And I, I think we were both aware of it, but just sort of figured the other would wasn't as far off from our thinking as they were. Hmm. You know, one of us felt that we needed to get, you know, a certain number of clients in the first, you know, 12 to 18 months and and then really, you know, scale up from there where I was more of the mind of getting just a couple and really perfecting the product. 
not perfecting, hmm. obviously, you know, yeah. you know, uh, you, you can't, you can't be perfect, but perfecting the, the aspects that I felt were needed to be able to get that certain number of clients. I love that example. I think, I mean, finding a partner, I think it's almost impossible. It's really a big challenge. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't really fault either of us. And yet I fault both of us because I think we both were aware of how the other was thinking about it, but we somehow thought that we could, I don't know, I guess, shift the other to our way of thinking hmm. where it was really for each of us. And not that either of them is necessarily wrong. I mean, obviously I, I believe that my approach was, was a better approach and this person believed their approach was uh, the better approach. And either of us could pull up many examples that, you know, would quote unquote, prove our, our approach was the right approach. So it's yeah. not even that there was, you know, it was a matter of right or wrong. The wrong was that we, we acted like it, that didn't matter. And that we could sort of overcome that. Eventually, we, we parted ways and the project went away. And we, we were gaining some traction, but we were never really able to sort of overcome that. The differences? Yeah. Hmm. I love the example. And now I want you to share with us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching your customers or your business or marketing or sales. Sure. When I was at the, uh, at the Daily Dot, yeah. I was uh, director of audience engagement or development, I forget what the title was. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we had a team who managed social media and SEO and, and all these things. And I would just sort of, you know, dive in and sometimes help out on, on various things. And um, also was always just sort of looking at what the engagement was, sort of seeing, you know, any patterns that would pop up, pouring over the data, working with the data scientist. But one thing I noticed was that, so the, the Daily Dot sort of covers internet culture, in, in a variety of ways. And obviously one aspect of that is uh, our memes and meme culture. And um, I noticed that whenever we wrote, uh, like, you know, our, our reporter who covered that um, wrote about any meme, sort of a, an explainer about one, that all of a sudden we get a whole bunch of messages to our Facebook, you know, message box. And mm -hmm. it was pre-messenger even, but to basically to Facebook messenger of people like very upset because now we had ruined their meme and it was awful and, hmm. and we were horrible. And um, just on a, on a whim, I started um, responding very whimsically uh, to some of them. And I, I didn't really have any real purpose at first, except that I just sort of felt like people who were coming to us, whatever it was that they were passionate about, yeah and complaining, even if it was just an organized campaign where they're like, oh, they ruined this meme, everybody go complain. Even if they hadn't read the article, they still like, they took, you know, a minute out of their day to do something. And they weren't really, you know, it's not like they were being mean. They were just like, you guys suck. You ruined this, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I, what I noticed when, um, when I started responding, I would just respond with like a silly Facebook sticker or something like that. They started, they were very surprised. And then someone said, you know, you guys are really good sports. Mm -hmm. um, we do this all the time to BuzzFeed and, you know, this publication, this publication. And you guys are the first ones who ever responded. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so, so it just sort of, 
it became, you know, it became humorous and, and, and then people started expecting it. And then they'd be like, I'm just here for a, for a sticker. They'd come and, <laughs> and so, you know, it, it took like no time. I would take like a half hour after lunch and go through, you know, like a whole bunch of messages and just, you know, respond. It, it took very little time. And, um, but then what I started to notice, people would come to us with memes that they would, they were saying, oh yeah, I'm really tired of this one. Would you guys kill it? <laughs> and so I would just, you know, sort of pass it. I said, well, you know, I'll pass it along. And so I, I passed all of these along and some of them were really fun ones that had gotten kind of big. And so they'd write about them. But then because we did that, um, I, I would then send them a link to it with a, you know, link tracking to all the people who had requested that particular, uh, that particular story yeah. and they were reading them. <laughs> but then what what further happened is people started actually sharing actual news stories with us. We were probably hmm. the first publication um, to write about groups in Macedonia and other places in that region buying popular Facebook pages and Facebook groups that already had an established fan base because one page that was just like a meme page where, you know, they'd just go there and they'd post memes and they'd, you know, make jokes and whatever. Mm. Um, one of the admins had, had sold the page to a group in Macedonia wow. and people, the other admins had, had been cut off and were upset because that wasn't what it was supposed to be. These people were now selling stuff on it. And this was before the 2016 election. This was back in, it, it was probably early 2016. Um, and it was, that was an actual story. And we, we, you know, the reporter reported it out and got proof of, of this happening and screenshots and all these things. And so it turned from people coming at us and complaining and, you know, just sort of insulting us and spitting into the wind to people actually passing legitimate news stories hmm. just because we took the time to actually respond to them. I love it so much because this is all about engaging, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We started with that. We talked about the humanity and being there, but you just engaged, really engaged with them. Mm -hmm. not engaged to gain something. I love that. Yeah. And not even engaging to defend or whatever, because there was no, you know, what are you going to say? Oh, I'm sorry. We wrote about this meme. It's like, just sounds stupid or to defend, but you know, well, well, it's our right to, of course it is. And they know that too. It's just, they, they just, someone actually listened, like showed that they actually listened for a change mm -hmm. and, and rather to react. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. And that whole evolution was just really in a matter of weeks. It's such a good story because we all the time talk about bringing in our customers and consumers to be involved. And that's what happened. That's what you did, mm -hmm. naturally. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Amy, can you recommend the best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus, marketing or sales, however... I'm not looking for the last shiniest tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help others as well. You know what? I don't really... Um... It's okay. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I, I think it's whatever, whatever connects you hmm. to them, meeting them where they are. So if they're using email or they like to have a phone call or they're using LinkedIn, you know, it's, it's wherever they are really, that's the best tool to use. You said the most important thing, I think, exactly what Chris Brogan said, by the way. <laughs> 
You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I always believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really makes it for them, that really helps them to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think it's my um, flexibility. What I mean by that is I've worked in so many different industries and some like just one right after the other. And then going back, it's, it's, we're in a very sort of fast moving time and a very uncertain time. Again, even before all of this, there's been a lot of economic ups, ups and downs over the last 20 years. And I think that a flexibility and willingness to change focus when you need to Hmm. has really served me well because each time I've hit a bump in the road, I've turned around and found some new opportunity that I never would have been Hmm. looking for if I'd just been like, no, this is what I have done for this many years and what I need to keep doing. Uh, And I think a lot of us get stuck in, in the idea. It's like, well, I'm I've been in tech for 20 years, or I've been in journalism for 20 years, or I've been in marketing for 20 years. And you can still sort of use all of those tools, but to have that sort of willingness to learn new things and try something completely different has really served me very well and is why I've I've had the successes that I've had, I believe. Hmm. First of all, the example that you talked about, the success that you brought is exactly that. But I think also the fact that you don't see failures as failures, it's because it's a bump in the way that serves you differently, that takes you to the other place. I think this is the reason um, you don't want to look at it as a failure, but as something that took you to the other direction. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, you know, I'm at the time when they happen, I'm Definitely, I definitely get upset. Sure, all of us. And um, I've given this advice because obviously I've known a lot of people over the years who've been laid off because don't we all? Um, But, you know, the advice that I've given to friends when they've been laid off, because it's happened to me a few times, is, you know, take those couple of days to stay under the covers and give yourself a pity party. Like, let yourself feel sorry for yourself for a couple of days. Like, it's totally natural. It's a sort of grieving. And then pick yourself up and lick your wounds and start figuring out, you know, what to do next and what you can take from what you did. And I think it's really important to emphasize that you do need to take that time. Like you, you don't need to like lose your job or have some sort of huge business failure. And then the next day be like, okay, what's next? You know, you're allowed to just take some time to just feel sorry for yourself. That's fine. But then you need to learn from it and learn what, you know, why did that happen? What, what not to do next. Hmm. And Amy, my last question before asking you, what is the best way to connect with you? My last question is my mountain question. (laughs) And as my listeners already know, I always imagine this journey of marketing, of building the awareness and figure out where the customer is and reach the mind or to where we think we can get as climbing a mountain. And at some point I started to ask my guests, and that's what I ask you, whether they ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain or 
do you have any relationships with mountains at all? <laughs> and I did mean the physical mountain, literally a mountain, but actually you can take it wherever you want. A lot of people are taking it to the metaphor as well. I, <laughs> I may have the most um, unique mountain story. I don't know. Wow. Uh, <laughs> when I was much younger than today, uh, my now husband, we were uh, dating at the time. We were moving across the country from South Florida to um, just outside of Phoenix. Oh. And um, obviously it had been some years since I'd been around any mountains because Florida is flat as a pancake. <laughs> but we were really into hiking then. We, you know, we did a lot of outdoor stuff. So we, we drove across the country uh, and decided to take a couple of weeks to just see that part of the country, which we'd never seen. And uh, we camped out in Big Bend National Park in Texas, which is right there at, at the, not surprisingly, Big Bend of the Rio Grande River. <laughs> and the tallest mountain in Texas is in Big Bend. Um, now, even though those are part of the Rockies, the mountains down in Texas are not as, they're not like they are, you know, up in Montana and stuff. They're not hugely high. Mm -hmm. But still, they're, you know. But, you know, it had it had a switchback trail leading up to the top, and that was great. And, you know, it was a, it was a strenuous hike, but it was really nice. And um, we got to the top, and we realized the real top of the mountain, there was this huge boulder right in front of us. But we could see a way you could, you know, relatively easily climb up, and we saw a couple of people climbing down. So we climbed up the side of this boulder, and it was totally worth it. We get to the top. There was one other couple there. But it was, you know, not a really big space, but it was flat. It was all rock, but there were like wildflowers growing out of it. And the thing I'll never forget, there were all these butterflies. It was really, really, you know, just surreal because wow. uh, there were just all these butterflies there. And so we we stood there for a little while and, and I think we sat a little bit and it was just really nice and very peaceful and serene. And then we decided it was, you know, time to go down we were we we weren't hungry yet but we knew that if we didn't get down and, and back to our campsite that we would be hungry so we started climbing down and we were down a little bit and we realized that we went didn't go down the side that we had come up on oh. and there was literally nothing below <gasps> and um okay and to this day all i can tell you is we made it back down and I don't remember anything between the moment where we realized yeah. that there was nothing below us and when we were back at the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I know that we, I, I don't think we climbed back up. I think we kind of went sideways because we were relatively close to the corner, but I, I don't, I don't really remember, but um, it's kind of funny because I, I, I'm a, uh, you know, a native New Yorker. I live back <laughs> you know, in the New York area now kind of uh, a pessimist. Journalists tend to be pessimists. In a way, yeah, I agree. <laughs> you're, always, you're always, you know, finding the worst out about people. But I've also always sort of had this feeling that um, somehow I'll make things work out, hmm. just kind of because you have to. And not in any sort of spiritual way. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't really, you know, but I, I just sort of believe that, like, I have it within me to make things work out. And it may take a while. And I don't know if it comes from that experience or that happened because I had that attitude. Hmm. I have no idea how it happened. My husband doesn't remember how what happened either. All we knew is we were back at the car. Wow. And um, yeah, that was it was 
by turns one of the most serene, calm experiences of my life, and then the most terrifying experience of my life five minutes later. It is. I think it's terrifying. I think it was just my brain was like, all right, we need to get out of this. Stop thinking about anything else. I mean, what is the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Sure. Uh, I can be found on pretty much all social platforms as um, at Amy Vernon. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Flipboard, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. That's great. And we'll put the links to all of these places in the show notes of this interview. And I would like to thank you so much. In a way, it was a different kind of uh, of interview, <laughs> and I love that. So thank you so much. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you so much. And take care in these okay. crazy times. And bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.